This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 455, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast. This is episode 455. I realize I say Pick of the Week really fast. I am Josh Flanagan. I am here with Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. And uh, Paul Montgomery is off on assignment. We're Uh, doing it duo style. Yeah, apparently. I had to be reminded of this uh, by Connor. We used to do this sometimes. Way back in the old days, when someone couldn't do the show, we just did a twofer. So uh, we're, on, we're on our own here. We'll have to see what happens. We're the if Simon I, and Garfunkel of comics podcasting right we're now. We're the Simon and Simon of... of uh, That's a good one. Geek culture. I hate... Can I take that back? Would be Hollow Notes? I li- That's the best one so far. <laughs> I, like si- I like Simon and Garfunkel, though. I said Simon and Simon. Simon and Simon is a good one as well. Is it better than Simon and Garfunkel? Because here's the thing. If we're Simon and Garfunkel, we're going to have to pick sides. And I, I think Here's we're going to have. what's really great about this, though. You mm-hmm. just mentioned that means I'm going to have to use the Simon and Simon theme song. Yeah. Because the Simon and Simon theme song was awesome. See, I don't even know what that is. I feel like you were, watch- you were watching TV before I was. We could be Hardcastle McCormick as well. Do you remember that <laughs> one? Yeah. The Falcon and the Snowman. <laughs> The 80s said, was awesome. I almost said Remington and Steel, Remington but that's Steel. not, that's not a show. Anyone who says the 80s wasn't awesome TV, well, punch in the face. Starsky and Hutch? Starsky and Hutch was also, that was the 70s, though. I know, but Chip, Ponch and, <laughs> Ponch and John. Chips. All right, let's get on with this. We are a fanboy. Believe it or not, this is a comic book show. Uh, it's about comic books. Every week we read a bunch of them. One of us picks the best one they read. We call that the pick of the week, and we talk about it here on the podcast. We'll talk about other books from the week that we have a thing to say about and, and some other stuff. We'll, we'll answer some questions and hopefully have a good old time. Before we get going, we're going to talk about what happens in the books. So there will be spoilers. We will be talking about plot points. If you are not down with that, be aware and take uh, commensurate actions. Uh, Connor, it was your pick. Carry on. This, I'm Gerald McCraney, aren't I? I don't know. Was Gerald McCraney in? He was Simon and Simon. He was one of the guys. I didn't know that. There was bald brother and brother with the great hair, which means I'm Gerald McCraney. Uh huh. And you're Jameson Parker. Wow. Did you knew that without looking? No, I knew Gerald McCraney. I had to look up Jameson Parker. Okay. He's Gerald McCraney to me, no matter what he shows up in. Major, major dad. dad. That's what he's always going to be. <laughs> when he, like, Major Dad was the bad guy in Deadwood. Well, uh, see, for me, when Major Dad started. And we're going to get to comics in a minute. Everyone can just hold uh, why? on. Why? Um, when, when Major Dad started, he was the Simon and Simon guy. Uh-huh. Okay. But then, but then Major Dad was enough of a force that he became Major Dad. Well, this is like uh, Ron and those of you who, who aren't who, – uh, those of you who have just started listening in the last year. So Ron is our, our former partner who, who left us. Right. Uh, right. Uh, Ron would never watch The Shield right. because he didn't like that guy from The Commish. I know. It's, but again, but we, like, he wouldn't have liked The Shield. No. It's not his thing. All right. Let's talk about sex. Baby. You're not a cop. You never were. Sex 16 is the pick of the week, and it's really interesting because uh, it's, such a, it's a comic that's such unlike every other comic out there. And not just, be, and not just because it's, it's, 
called sex and has a lot of sex in it. Um, but but it's pacing, and I see a lot of complaints about it online. And there's even it's even addressed in this issue in the letters column about how. It's not structured and formatted like your traditional monthly comic. You know, there's not the monthly payoff or the monthly cliffhanger. And it frustrates a lot of people. We even got some comments about it on our Facebook page when we announced that the pick was that people had stopped reading it because it was slow or whatever. The thing is, sex is, is a novel, and we're just happening to get 22 pages every month. We're doing this like Dickens. Right. I just compared Joe Casey to Dickens. Well, there are dicks in the book, so... There's a good deal of them. One of them pointed right at me. <laughs> so... And I, that's what I really love about this this book and the story is that it's it is a novel in comic book form, and I think I think it's very similar pace wise to Lazarus in that sense, mm-hmm. in that we're really just getting a long form story. I mean, I'm sure, given his druthers, well, Joe Casey does like comics, but you probably want to put this out as like a 400 page book to tell his whole story rather than 22 pages. But and that's I really like that we're just getting this story, mm-hmm. and we're not necessarily going to have something big happen. And this issue. You know, nothing particularly noteworthy happens, and no- normally, you know, a pick happens because you know something in the story is is really a big deal. Or yeah, I was I was kind of waiting for a thing. I was like, well, something must happen to just blow us away. I but was waiting the thing is, I just love these characters, and I just love this world. And the more that it's revealed, is the more I'm enjoying it. And when I sat down to decide what the pick was, and I didn't I didn't have a huge week. I only had about ten books. Uh, the one that the book that I by far enjoyed the most was Sex Sixteen, because of that world building, because of the characters, and, and again we talked about this book before, and it was the pick before. Uh, it's basically we're, you know it's a Batman story, and that's fine because you really get to take those archetypes and play with them and and uh, you know here Batman and I just like calling him the Batman character. The Batman sure. has agreed to go on a date with Catwoman. And uh, that's kind of their kind of their relationship's kind of cute. And, she, and and she's agreed to go on a date with him. It was a definite like. And that was the know, cliffhanger. Like, I think of the last issue was she was in yeah. her apartment saying, "Yeah, let's I, go on a date." I think we should go for, go to dinner. And uh, she has conditions. I mean that and that part's great. And then there's the whole part with the killer croc, uh, crime boss who's got his problems, and the Vicky Vale character who's who's fun. It's just it's, and then the Robin character too. It's just really, really great world building in here. And really great character stuff from Joe Casey. I think, yeah, I think you're right. And I, I, I mean, that's funny because the thing that I like about it, I read that same line where we're talking about, um, I, I, you know, that it's a novel. And I was like, and, and that, that sentence alone makes me so happy. Right. I, 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 like that to me is, is really enticing. That's, that's reminds me of my favorite, um, you know, kind of Vertigo books, the long runs, the big novel. Like that's what I want out of a book. And as long as, it stays interesting, and the characters are all, uh, you know, compelling, you know, good, compelling, yeah. and interesting, and well, well drawn. And I mean that in both the literal sense and sort of the, uh, you know, constructed. Then, you know, I'm in, and I totally. And as we've gone through this, like I have never, I have never once, in the, what are we on? I've never thought, oh, this is going slow. I wish we'd pick. No. Up. I haven't. I just, I've, I've enjoyed spending time with them, and I think that one of the things that's really interesting is that. It all functions within the framework of a normal comic book, but they're taking these things that are subtext and they're shoving them out front. Mm-hmm. It, yes. It's it's the stuff that we don't talk about that people have always sort of well, we, there's speculated always... and joked about has been the subtext of of superhero comics. The sex fetish leather costume, and they're just presenting it straight up front, and it's like it's not it's not ironic. No. 
like there's nothing about that. It's just saying, no, yeah, they're 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 perverts. They got a lot of stuff going on. These are there's a, these are the adult these you know, like like straight up like these are the really adult concepts going on in these people's minds, and we're we're not hiding it. Right. Which is which is without being it's a little lascivious, but not in a sort of bad way. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I exactly phrase that, but it just sort of is what it is. It's very straightforward. Well, it's about also it. very real in that sense. I mean, there's it's a, true. There's, it's you know, there's sex, especially amongst consenting adults. And, sure. And, and it, highly charged uh, adults, and and the people who have, you know, the Catwoman's and the Batman's of the world. You know, this, that was a long bit of foreplay. That whole yeah. the lives they live. And now even, even the scene in this. Uh, where where the reporter is in the bathroom, right? And, and like she, they're on the toilet, and you can see her underwear, and she sort of gets up. There's nothing explicit about it, no. but it's clearly like like it's it's a hint to like this this is gonna this is gonna do it for somebody in a very like specific way. And there's little things like that throughout the whole thing. Like there was there was no reason to have her in there, but it's teasing and it, it, it plays on what some people find attractive and there's little corners of that through the whole thing. But it's also it, real, right? She's yeah, well, that's use, what I was going to say. the bathroom. <laughs> the next point is like, it's very honest, yeah. I think. I think it's very brave in sort of confronting those kinds of things that people don't talk about. Right. Uh, but clearly, uh, if you were to search certain websites, you would find that they're representatives of many of these things. And I like the fact that the art is really straightforward. Yeah. Peter Kowalski is the uh, art uh, artist, pencil and inker, and Brad Simpson's colors, which are very pop artish, and also plays with the sort of notion of comic books themselves. I mean, on the first page, you've got a bunch of purple and green panels, and there's really no reason for those the, the lighting to be that way, as far as I can see. I could be an idiot. I don't know color theory, but. Uh, it, but it plays with the pop art aesthetic of it. A lot of these panels are very monochromatic, or is it achromatic? Monochromatic? Monochromatic. Yeah, I'm going with that. Where's Paul? Um, I still think that I, I still think that the color, the, the sort of the, the visual look of the of the color scheme always reminds me of Watchmen. Totally. And the tone, the tone does. It's and, very and like the panel layouts and everything. It's very much like if you look at the yeah, the camera angle is all down low, the chest waist level. There's no big sweeping shots from up above. There's, there's there's very little of that, so mm-hmm. it's all sort of you're there with them. The cinematography is is you know gritty street level, you know Scorsese fly on the wall at best, but no crane shots. If you, if, I know, if, you if you follow me, comic artists hate them, especially certain ones. But it does read sort of like a storyboard of a sure. show you'd watch, and that's what I kind of love about it too. Is it feels very much like I'm just watching the next episode of a weekly drama series. And sometimes you watch a show and there's a big event. Sometimes you watch a show and it's just about the characters that week. And that's, yeah. that's what I love about this book. Um, and I mean, it plays in the Batman tropes and it's fun. But at the end of the day, it's exploring something in comics that isn't very often explored in a very yeah. compelling way. And this is Joe Casey sort of unleashed. And it's not, because, not like in the crazy way he does like with Officer Down or books like that. But sort of in the, in the comic book realm that he loves, he gets to sort of tell the full-on comic story here. Well, I mean, superhero, there's... there's superhero, superhero story, not comic story. There is nobody... I'll say this outright. There's nobody, I think, who understands the form of of the various types of comic books better than him, especially over a long period. Like, he's a fan of comics, you know, from at least the 60s forward. He, he knows all those different, you know, eras and all the different things, and, you know, he can play around in that context, as we've seen in many different ways. Right. Uh, 
And it's not going to be for everyone. I understand that. No. And if you don't like sort of long-form storytelling that's just more character-based than action-based, then that's totally fine. It's just this isn't going to be a book for you. But if you like that kind of thing, it, it's it's great. I think it's great. And I think it's very like I, I think it's it's very adult, and I don't mean that in the like like Cinemax After Dark way. Totally. Yeah, but playing within the confines of of these other things that are really familiar, and if you're waiting for it to be a superhero comic book or a com- like it's not it's not that it's it's a it's an extension of that or a subversion of that and there's been some uh, action and there might be some in the future but it's mostly about the people and i'm you know i'm as excited for the the date upcoming date as i am for any you know big conflict in a superhero book i can't wait to see what yeah. happens when they go and i don't think date. it'll be a big over the top thing you'll just sort of watch them no, I'm just excited for verbally, the how awkward it's going to be because yeah, they're both awkward. Yeah, bumping like, off each other and trying to, trying to work out how to act like humans. I look forward to that. Uh-huh. It'll be fun. So yeah. sex number 16 uh, is a pick of the week, and it's a, it's, it remains one of my favorite comics out there. It's a very good book. Um, but actually, I was thinking similar to sex is Saga, Saga 23. I was and- going I was, I was to ask. My, my first sort of thing about this was, uh, uh, you know, where, where are you with this? Well, it's we funny because Brian K. Vaughan is the master of all the things that sex doesn't do, right? He's the master of the yeah. one, one issue, big deal moment. He's the master of the cliffhanger. Like, he's, he's like a savant for that sort of thing. But also, with Saga, at least, even with those elements, it's, I feel very similar uh, story-wise and structure-wise to sex because it is sort of just a long-running story about people. There's a lot more action and adventure and a lot more... Yeah, and they also have... They've also intimated that what's going to happen, like because yeah. because uh, the girl is narrating, like we know certain things are going to happen. And sort of give it a a different twist. Than but I it is sort of very meandering. <laughs> you know, there isn't really a central. I mean, we, we follow some characters and we follow some other characters. We always get back to the main ones, but it's a it's a much more meandering book than a lot of others. So I think I thought, especially reading them this week, that Saga and Sex feel very similar, not just in, not just in their uh, titling, but. This was another good issue. I think that this one actually definitely had a feeling of of forward movement mm-hmm. of thing of things you know that are that are important. Well, happening. there was a, fa- a couple of fairly major events in this issue. Yeah, it, uh, it, you know, Prince Robot and and um, the dude meeting, uh, you know, at the end, and, and right. you know that like we were told that they were going to break up, but the way that they did it is a little is a little heartbreaking like they both didn't kind of want to but it's going to be one of those well it kind of happened and then we we couldn't fix it and right i mean he, you know they're the, the couple's fighting and i don't remember their name um uh, couple's fighting <laughs> and then the guy goes off to maybe have sleep with the purple alien chick who's that first the first page uh is so uh suggestive right and sort of telling and she's in her t-shirt and you're like Oh, she, she's and just her pose and everything yeah. about it. It's very, it's very sexy, but very real and and, totally. and really and the, you know the, the shots of them on the couch. Uh, and she's yeah. all into it, and he's wavering, and he decides no, this is not a good idea. In fact, but it's too late. He gets home and finds that his wife and family have had to bug out because they got attacked by them by another robot yeah. alien. And so it's sort of the heartbreaking moment of he he's left to go have an affair, decides not to, and then. Uh, but it's too late anyway. So it was very. He's you know Vaughn's really good at the emotional truthiness mm-hmm. of <laughs> of these stories, and you know it's a lot of. I, I'm sure it's a very common thing to go right having be having problems and go right to the edge, pull back, and but it's too late anyway. 
I just man, Fiona Staples is is something something really special. Right. And there's just nobody else I can't imagine anybody else doing this. I mean like it it really is one of those you know, Fiona Staples is to Saga as as Steve Dillon is to Preacher. Right. You know, like just completely essential and nobody could have done it. Well look at that page way. you were talking about on the couch. And yeah. There's the body language of them sitting and sort of looking away from each other because it's awkward and, and there's an unspoken thing happening. And then they look at each yeah. other and there's the great facial expression on her face. You, you, you know exactly what she's thinking and you know exactly what he's thinking. And yeah. there's no dialogue whatsoever. It's is, interesting how human these characters are for not being humans. Right. Her nose does uh, freak me out, I'll be honest. Totally. Totally shit. She's, you know what she reminds? She's like Dr. Evazan. Right. <laughs> I don't, I don't even like. mind the ears. You know, don't mind the ears. It's the nose. Mm-hmm. The nose is a little. You like the ragged punk rock t shirt? I like that. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, well, yeah, I don't mind that at all. Um, yeah, I, I like really. She was the one. I'm, I'm trying to go back. Like there was the IDW miniseries with uh, Steve Niles. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was that was her, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we really so, like that miniseries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I totally remember that. Uh, She's blown up real fast as she should. Yeah, but I mean, I'm kind of like, oh, we saw her a long time ago and saw that coming. Yeah. But since then, she's—I mean, she's just excellent. They're like so, so few lines and such such great exp- expression. I think. Mm-hmm. Go Canada. Now, have you been? Did you read Superman Doom number two? No, I thought I looked at it and I thought it was a collection of things that I'd already read. Yeah, it was because yeah, they haven't been very good at telling you what comes next. But this was this was supposedly the wrap up, and it is the wrap up of the Superman Doom storyline that we've been reading. And I'm just going to have to spoil it for you. Sorry. No, that's fine. I'm not. Um, and it's good. It's, a, it's an extra long story that wraps up the, the storyline of Superman being infected with the Doomsday particles and becoming Doomsday himself. And we had Batman and Wonder Woman and Steel and Lana Lang and Lois Lane all involved. And uh, what was interesting about it was, so Brainiac was revealed to be, and also Supergirl's in here, Brainiac was revealed to be the bat, big bad guy here. He was planning the invasion of, of Earth or the collection of Earth. And so they, of course, thwart his plans, and they send him uh, into a black hole, and he gets collected by uh, his own machine, I think it is. And he uh, goes through a portal on the last page, and he finds himself looking at these shards of glass, or, or excuse me, rock, or ice. Anyway, they're reflecting images, and all the images are of pre-52 superheroes. Hmm. So it's Superman with the trunks, and old Nightwing, and... Old uh, Justice Society with 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 Jay Garrick and the tin tin pot hat and and uh, very interesting. What's going on here now? There's some speculation it's having to do with the uh, event that's coming up. The, the that the DC's doing while they move offices. Mm-hmm. You know about that? How they they're they're taking a month off of their regular books while they move. So there no. there's, there's some a special event coming out that month where it's all going to be wacky inter inter-earth adventures hmm. or it could be something else i don't know but i just wasn't expecting to turn or to swipe the page and be faced with a shot of superman in the trunk swoops you know flying at me that's so, what you that's what they're gonna have to they're gonna have to go back we'll see like they're gonna have to there's no way this is comic books the person that they come back to life they will go back when uh, certain people are no longer in charge, and or they really need to boost sales again. Yeah. When those th- things happen, I don't know. But it was it was a shocker to turn the page and see all those old costumes. Mm-hmm. So wasn't expecting to see that. Now, um, 
We never talk about Deadpool unless it's one of those wacky issues. And that's why we're talking about it because oh, it wasn't. No. no, it was not. And that's that's one of the things is it's. I find it very hard to stay consistent with Deadpool mm-hmm. in that I just. I, I, you've, I've talked about this before, but like there's certain things I am pro- programmed not to notice or see, so I just forget about it. And and for the you most part, you don't see part, color. I, yeah, you don't, I don't see I don't race. See color. I'm yeah. not I'm not I'm not about that. No, you but it's just like age. I ignored Deadpool for so long that it's difficult to remember that I'm actually reading it. And <laughs> this is a this is 35 issues of, of a consistent team of uh, Jerry Duggan and Brian Posehn doing this character, and it's been one, if not necessarily one long story, it's all interconnected and has been. And it's it's oddly, I think the thing that's, that struck me about it, the thing I wanted to bring up is like it's it's very sweet. Like it has really turned into like he's got like a a family of characters around him, and it's taken the thing that I didn't like about Deadpool is it was just like a bunch of wacky shit, and there wasn't much to grab onto other than the wacky shit. Right. And like like he's got a family now, you know the 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 agent who's now in the I can't think of her name. Is Ghost Ben Franklin still in it? No, but he could be at any point. The the guy, like the the dude who teleports them from that, was in it, mm-hmm. and now he's got a wife who's who's like a demon, and and he's got these characters from. There was the storyline from North Korea where there was all like the the like the copycat X Men that they that they engineered, and uh-huh. and like that's been an ongoing thing. And he's got a daughter now that came out of one of those wacky weird episodes. Like so, even those. Mattered. I think Declan Shalvey's in this. I'm not sure. As a homeless person, is, and then he yells, "Jesus!" Maybe it a, just is this a double ship book? It must be a 35 issues. Yeah, uh, it has to be. I, mean, I feel like I just read it last who's week. Who's drawing at this point? This is uh, Mike Hawthorne. Oh wow. Um, who, whose work I like a lot. This yeah. is a solid penciler. I mean, it started with uh, started Tony Moore. I think. I'm trying to do remember. You think how it's, long do you think? Do you find it as one of your favorite Marvel books? <laughs> I don't know that I would say it's my favorite. I don't get done with it and go, man, I love that. But right. it is at the point where it's kind of comforting to go back to. Right. Uh, and I'm always, I'm always a little pleasantly surprised that I'm joining it. And, I, and I, I sort of know who the whole cast is. And I know what the ongoing thing is. And they really write Deadpool with an underlying sadness and sweetness. Uh, where that that actually really underpins some of the jokes and things. Well, that's that's kind of the trick, right? I mean, I think the reason why you and I at least weren't really into Deadpool before was from whenever I read him, he was very one note. Yeah, and I'm sh- and I'm sure a Deadpool fan will come along and tell us that he wasn't always that way, and that's always mm-hmm. possible. But whenever I sh- would encounter him, he'd be very one note, and that note was annoying. So. <laughs> Uh, no, it didn't. It didn't hurt. You, that's how you make the character more interesting. Is you give him more. Than it no. didn't hurt that when you, when uh, it, uh, remember using him in Uncanny X Force yes. didn't hurt. No, I think that was like a like a sort of like it can be good and it can be interesting. Um, yeah, I, you know, like it's it's been it's been a good time. Well, so, so what's happening in this issue? A lot of things. I mean, like he's still dealing with the fact that he has this daughter that he found out about, and he set her up at the agent. I can't think of her damn name, which is a problem. Agent Preston, he sent her up in her house to protect her, and he, he like he's just. And then at one point, Dracula is really mad about because he wanted Dracula wanted his wife, uh, and he sort of screwed him over, and so Dracula didn't get the woman that he wanted. So Dracula implants him. He was very badly hurt, and he implants his uh, consciousness into an ancient spider slayer, and like he tries to attack him, and Deadpool just runs down the subway where the spider slayer can't fit, and that's the end of that. Um, well, and it works. then. 
and then he arranges for a bunch of the North Korean uh, X-Men uh, co- copies to be brought to the, the school because they're all dying because they were poorly engineered. And, you know, he really cares about them. And Interesting. It's like a, just like a lot of sort of things where it wasn't like a big thing that happened in it. I just was like, 35 issues, man. That's, that's, not, that's not nothing. No, it's not. Yeah. And, and like there's, there's a heart and soul in it. So. Especially these days. It's a big, pretty big run. It certainly is. Although Marvel's been really consistent. You know, like if True. they can keep the people on the books and they ship them, you know, three times a month, then it's not <laughs> oh, look, so bad. 36 just came out. Yeah. Uh, so did you read uh, G.I. Joe number one? I think I did. It's yes, the I did. Uh, latest incarnation of G.I. Joe from IDW. It's volume 75 at this point. I don't know what volume yeah. number it is. but I was like, I, had, I was like, wait, there's a new G.I. Joe? You're like, yeah. And I was like, all right. So This one's I volume four it. of IDW. So this is the mm-hmm. fourth series. So there was there was at least a couple from Devil's Due before that, and then Marvel. I doubt yeah. I don't think Marvel rebooted it then. But. No, not not back then. So yeah. this what's interesting about this this issue is the first time G.I. Joe has been written by a woman, Karen mm-hmm. Travis, and uh, I picked it up because I I'd heard about that. I thought the cover was cool. Uh, I didn't Which know one. There's a hundred covers. Right, the orange one. Yeah, the really sort of that is a good stylized one. one. That's the best one. Yeah. Um, and I, but I didn't know much about it. I didn't know if it was a continuation. It is a continuation of of the story from IDW. Um, but what I thought was really interesting about it was, and I didn't I didn't love it. But what I thought was interesting about it was that it, for GI Joe number one, it was mostly talking about budgets. I was I was I was gonna say um, I figured our conversation was gonna be here why it failed. <laughs> I didn't really like it. I, I didn't like it at all. I, I don't have a really desire to read anymore. But. I thought it was a bold choice to go yes. that way. I thought it was a bad choice <laughs> because if you're gonna label something as a number one, I I was I was lost. Right. And and I you know I read, I read you know GI Joe Cobra for a really long time. That's really the only one that I stuck with. And it seems like these are the same people from that. But it was such an odd tone. It was like being dropped in the middle of chapter fifteen of some sort of like spy military novel. And I. I didn't know who anybody was other than like when Roadblock or Scarlet would show up. Right. And and they were and and like Tomax was around. Like I haven't I th- read the other book in yeah, so long. I think long. there's you have a obligation in your first issue to sort of reset a little bit and at least identify everyone. And sh- this writer, uh, I believe she's some sort of novelist. Yeah, she's a novelist. Classic novelist first comic book. Yeah. Like like just jumped in there, you know, Greg Rucka can do this. But not everybody can, mm-hmm. you know, like to sort of do that sort of writing in in the story like this. And it was it was there. There was no setup. There was no establishing shot, basically. Uh, yeah, I think the problem with a book like this is that it's for the people that read the first three volumes. Yeah. And you should try to bring on new readers or at least make it welcoming in the first issue, especially if you're bringing in a quote unquote mainstream writer or who even has, who has their own we- fans. If we were both lost, I, I mean, that I says so something. I lost. I mean, at the end of the day, it's the G.I. Joe characters, and I know them. Yeah. I, I, would, I didn't necessarily know who everyone was, but I knew, you know, enough. Mm-hmm. It just, I just didn't find it super compelling. I thought, I thought it was interesting. The, the, so the idea is that Cobra, Cobra has realized they've, they've failed as international terrorist organization determined to rule the world. And so now they've, they've sort of rebranded themselves, and they're sort of a peacekeeping force they're sort of like uh not mercenaries but they're they've they've they're not terrorists anymore they don't call themselves terrorists anymore and and so they they have embassies and they they are hired to uh mediate international uh, disputes 
that is a tough pivot. It's a tough pivot to make for a, for an organization. I mean, I've been in organizations that made a pivot that seemed pretty <laughs> rough, but terrorist to that is that's well, one special. man's terrorist, another man's freedom fighter, and I guess so. I, the part I did like the best about this was the internal strife within Cobra about that decision. So, like, you know, Tom, Tomax and Zamat, or at least well, isn't one of them dead? Yes. Yeah. So don't this know is, which. This is Tomax. I think Zamat's dead. I did like the picture of him up behind his desk and his brother like in their Sweet. cobra outfits. If I could have got a giant painting of those two guys, I'd hang it at my office. <laughs> You're not wrong. Um, yes, but, dear brother, we should. Come you right away. Tomax is in charge. He's sort of the public face and Baroness is not happy with it. And I like the idea that the, the sort of cadets, there's a, there's a split. And that's interesting. That could probably lead to some interesting stories. But uh, I just didn't find it super compelling. There can be no... Baroness in a comic book without a half panel butt shot. Like there's just <laughs> he's, looking, no... he's looking around it. Like, I don't know why me, you your, your 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 ass is in the way. I need maybe to... he's well technically her her front parts are in the way. Right, her hips. So maybe he's trying to see <laughs> around the back side of it. Oh God, oh GI Joe, I can't yeah. stay mad at them forever. G. I can't either. But it was just like really, this is this is I I don't I don't I don't know who thought that was a good idea. Just from a just from a marketing standpoint, just. Like, let's throw them in the deep end. Like, because if you think about it, this was not a book written for people who you tend to think of as, as you know, a potential GI Joe audience. Which I, I found it ballsy. I really did. I mean, sort there's, of, there's but, a whole Senate committee on budgets, and then they talk about the Senate committee on budgets, and then, you know, that's not your typical GI Joe story. So that's kind of interesting. Sure, sure, sure. And I like the idea of the of the Senate, the Senate saying, you know, you've defeated Cobra. They're now no longer international I th- I terrorist was, organization. I thought that was very interesting and realistic. So we're going to have to cut your funding now. And uh, that's, you know, that's interesting. Sure. I would have liked it more if uh, Shipwreck had been in it. I'm just going to say it right now. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Bad Jack Nicholson Shipwreck. <laughs> if you act ah! in, in the background, I'll, I will at least pick up the second issue. So that was G.I. number one. You still reading uh, all new Invaders number ten? Yes, and God, I really hate Captain America's costume in this in this story. Just you have to just ignore it, just like every like every character in DC. It's like there's this one page where you know at the very end where he and Namor are arguing and Namor leaves, and it's the top panel where he's sort of grimacing at Namor, and the, the helmet's just so. And I get they're trying to recreate the sort of World War II helmet look, mm-hmm. but that helmet is terrible. It's just I can't take him seriously. It just doesn't, yeah. it doesn't. It just looks dumb. At least give make make the helmet a separate piece. That at least in the film, when he's wearing that costume, it, it works because the helmet's a helmet. Here, like the mask's attached to it, and it just looks like a like an, an egghead weirdo. It just looks like the helmet's too big. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, and I've been reading this. That being said, uh, the designs notwithstanding, I I really dug, I dug the art in this. Mm-hmm. Oh, it, when, it's, uh, when he's drawing Steve, it. Steve Pugh. It's nice. It actually reminds me of. Um, of of Epting on Captain America a little bit, and sort of the the way that it that was that was uh, produced, I suppose. And he's similar in style and tone to uh, the original artist in this, who was um, what's his name from Justice Society, who we liked so much. Yeah, who I can't remember right now. God, we're old and dumb. Yeah, it's fine. I used to have a memory, and it was so great. But uh, anyways, what I wanted to bring it up is that. Uh, this is a, I think this is a really sort of ballsy book going on right now in terms of what Marvel is doing in general. This is very 
I mean, it's a little bit, I, you can see them kind of try to build up some of their IPs a little bit and see mm-hmm. if they can get some interest in it. But I like that it's very different than the other books. And I like that James Robinson is totally the right guy to do it. Yeah. Uh, where you're taking all of these, this, they're really starting to delve in and bring back a lot of these Golden Age characters. And I love the Invaders. That is, that is, that might be my favorite book. I still remember when I was a kid going to uh, Comic-Con in New York. It might have been Big Apple Comic-Con at the time. I don't remember the name of it. With my dad and buying... A giant stack of Roy Thomas Invaders comics. Yeah. I have a stack of them in the basement, and yeah. I just haven't been able to read them, but I, I know they're there, and someday I will read them. Yeah. Uh, it's a great team. Great it's concept. It's a great team. And, and you had the really cool... Uh, like like Steve Rogers, Steve Rogers confronts Namor about the Illuminati. Yeah, way to pull that out from nowhere. Like like it's 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 very Marvel. It's like centric. when you've done something really bad to your wife or girlfriend, and then like mm-hmm. you think you've gone past it, and six months later it just pops up again. This is like this is like five years later. This is a long time. Listen, uh, buddy. Ah, so good. And and then like they had the, you know they've got all these other characters besides the invaders. You've got you know they brought in all the British guys. They yeah. you know Union Destroyer Jack. and Union Jack and Spitfire. I always like Union I Jack love and Union Jack and Spitfire. Yeah. I I was remembering when Spitfire showed up. I was like, oh man, remember how good she was in uh, in Paul Cornell's uh, uh, yes. uh, I, what was the what was the title? Uh, in my six in my thirteen. Yes, exactly. You know, and uh, like that was great. Yep. It was good to see her. There's the vision and and like. There's been enough that's happened to even the four main characters, you know, Toro and Tor- and Torch and Bucky and Cap and, and, and Namor, five characters, you know, that, that they're really interesting. There's, their chemistry is really interesting. And they have just, the history, which makes yeah. it more interesting. Um, I like that Jim Hammond stays on brand by labeling himself agent of nothing. Um, <laughs> that was also interesting with this book was continuing the idea of the, the, the elevation of the inhumans. Yeah. Uh, so the, the villain they're fighting, the Iron Cross, is that, that's the yep. name, right? Uh, she was, the Iron Cross, which is basically the, the British Iron Man. The German. Uh, or the German Iron Man, I'm sorry, of course, the German. And, uh, German will fear us. She, just, she realizes she's got the inhuman gene, and it's, it's very much like the X gene or the mm-hmm. mutant gene. And she becomes, it, uh, she has powers all of a sudden. So they're That very concept much, threatens to spilleth over. Well, uh, they're, they're pushing it real hard right now. No, so I, I, it's going to all- get annoying. We all know why, right? But in that that uh, we're not going to talk about it. But Inhuman this week is a, is a, is a good book. It's interesting. It's Charles Soule. It's not a big surprise, but I'm, I'm reading that. And I'm enjoying that too. Yeah, so I, I still really like this book. I mean, it's yeah, great characters and and it's really fun. Yeah, I'm I'm totally excited. We get to have the British characters too. Like this, I'll take these guys all day. Right. So this was an all new Invaders number ten. And I also like the Scott Collins cover. I don't really look at the covers these days, but. Uh, when I saw that cover, I was like, he could draw this series. I'd be okay with that. He could totally draw this series. That'd be, That'd awesome. be awesome. Yeah. So you can pick up the collection of this book or any of the books we talked about or anything you want at ifanboy.com slash Amazon. That's where you'll find the link to Amazon that gives us a little bit of piece of the action. It doesn't come out of your pocket. It comes out of Amazon's pocket. It's a, called an affiliate link for all those who want to know. <laughs> and uh, it's how we pay the bills, pay the server costs, pay the microphone bills, all kinds of things. The server cost is not in uh Probably use a new cost. microphone. You could probably use a new microphone. My microphone, I, I was, I have the uh, the, the blue Yeti, and mm-hmm. uh, I saw one last week at an, at an office. They ha- they used it for their conference room, and nice. it, was, it was brand new. Mm-hmm. And um, a fellow iFanboy writer, Mike Romo, was there, and he went, "That does not look like your microphone because my microphone, I think, is covered in bacteria." So my old. microphone is even older than yours. Yeah, but it, it's like the pop screen, and the, anyway, this is the little switches stopped working. <laughs> so. 
Uh, if you go to iFanboy.com slash Amazon, that's how you can help the show out, uh, keep everything running. I can't running. even get to the Switch. It's inside it now. iFanboy.com slash registration is also how you can help directly by becoming an iFanboy member. At 3 bucks a month or 30 bucks a year, uh, it helps us directly. We appreciate everyone who does both those things, and uh, thank you very much. Well, soon we'll get Josh a new mic. Now, um, Please, sir. You can barely <laughs> hear me. Hello? Is anyone out there Sec- at all? Secret Avengers. Uh, number eight came out this week, and I, I don't know how I feel about this book. I haven't been reading it. Who's even on it this anymore? This is um, Alice Cott, who does Zero over at Image, mm-hmm. and uh, a, diff- a bunch of different artists have worked on it. I know who Alice Cott is. Right, and uh, well, so I'm speaking to you and the audience at the same time. I felt like you were talking to me, like like, hey, dumbass! <laughs> I know you had the baby, you don't get sleep enough, and you you you're not exactly the steel trap you used to be back in the '90s. So well, that's also true. <laughs> But, uh, God, I, yeah. Hey, babe, I haven't remembered anything that badly since the Clinton administration. (laughs) I'm glad we were able to take time out of our incessant watching of Saturday Night Live videos online to do the show. Um, So this book is very much in the Hawkeye corner of the Marvel Universe. You know, there's a couple of books that were uh, tonally similar to Hawkeye. Yes. And uh, so this is one of them, and it also includes Hawkeye in 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 the team. And, uh... So it's very kind of goofy and jokey, you know. It's got the jokey captions and everything, and it's and it's sometimes it's way too precious, but it's also kind of interesting and fun, and it includes Modok as a main character, and I think any Modok is an awesome, you know, one of those crazy Marvel concepts that is fun to play with, <laughs> and uh, so I, the problem with the book is sometimes it go it's a it's a very fine line to to be too silly or, or too wacky or too weird and. And uh, Matt Fraction always walked the line really, really well. Hawkeye, this one occasionally f- falls over it, but I find something about it really charming. Basically, it's it's uh, Spider Woman and Black Canary, <laughs> Black Widow, Hawkeye, uh, and then uh, Maria Hill, Col- Agent Coulson, and then Fake uh, Nick Fury, and they're the Secret Avengers, and. Uh, it's and then Modok is has been he's been he, the whole thing of the, the storyline is that Modok was captured he was turned against AIM and he became sort of an advisor to Shield and now he's this issue in flashbacks we've seen he's been engineering from behind the scenes to become the director of Shield he wants to be mm-hmm. Modok director of Shield which would be a lot of acronyms but would would be kind of it's kind of silly to even think he could be a, a, the director of Shield or that he even thinks he could but. In this issue, you see all the things that have been happening in the story so far has been him engineering from the background in order to supplant Maria Hill as director. And then at the end of this issue, he also reveals he's actually in love with Maria Hill. So it's, it's a weird book. <laughs> but is it funny? Like, is that tongue-in-cheek? It's funny and tongue-in-cheek in the same way Hawkeye is. Okay. Um, that and seems the to be a really, thing. The art's really interesting. It's a very... Uh, the artist is Michael Walsh, and it's, and it's so, it looks kind of like Steve Lieber. Um... And it's the same tone, you know, Superior Foes of Spider-Man was also in that sort of s- s- corner of the Marvel Universe mm-hmm. that Steve Lieber drew. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's silly. And every time it comes out, I look at it and go, do I want to keep reading this? And I, and I waver. And then I always end up reading it uh, and enjoying it. It's only number eight. So if you like it's... Hawkeye or if you, like, if you think the idea of MODOK 
uh, engineering his own ascension to become the director of Shield is sounds like something you'd enjoy. That is compelling. I'm not going to lie to you. That's compelling. Then but it it's out. funny because it's a very similar like there's a formula that's going on is to stick a bad guy on the team now. Right. That's you know it's, it was the Thunderbolts had that with with um. They're even doing it at DC with the leader with uh, Lex Luthor in the Justice League. Yeah. Interesting. It's the thing now. Thing yeah. to do. What is bodies? Bodies is the sort of Jack the Ripper type book from Vertigo. And I was hoping what do you that mean, you had checked. Of? Well, it takes place over multiple timelines. So part of it takes place in what would have been, uh, you know, Victorian England during the Ripper murders. Part of it takes place during the 1940s. Part of it takes place in present day. And then part of it takes place in the, in the not terribly distant future. Interesting. And there are these bodies that they find. And unfortunately, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> so and you're hoping an, that I read it and could tell you? Kind of, yeah. I thought I thought maybe that was because it's Ripper. It's Jack. You like Jack the Ripper, I know. So what you did was you threw a hail mary pass in the script. You were like, I don't understand what's going on. I'm just going to put it in the script, and hopefully someone else has read it well, and can tell me. What's also, I, there's a larger there's a larger lesson going on here, and it's it's the 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 death knell of what was Vertigo, hmm. and it's like every time a new series comes out, I give it a shot, right? And and it's just swing and a miss, one after another. And other than that one miniseries, well, the Royals Masters of War that we liked, like loved nothing. Well, the problem is all the all the talent went to they took their their books to Image. Well, and it, they haven't really Vertigo hasn't broken anyone new, and I don't know if that's by choice. Well, it doesn't seem or, like anybody. Okay, so nobody established seems to be bringing their stuff to Vertigo. No, because all image, cause the deal's better. The, it is, but. I mean, the difference would be that you can you can sort of make your living up front at Vertigo. Well, we, we've had we've had right, creators but, tell us they they would have brought this book to Vertigo in the past, right. but now because the deal they changed the deal. Yes, they so. did. They did it. Yeah, they, they did that a while ago. But I think it took a, a while to to crack in where the power of the deal that you get from somebody like Image overtook the prestige of having a Vertigo book because for a lot of guys who have come up. You know, like the thing was, who have come up in the last, you know, five, ten years, the thing was, you know, they were reading Vertigo stuff in the in the 90s and 2000s, and it was like to get one of those series of Vertigo, you know, and it turns out that, you know, Jason Aaron's going to be one of, you know, it, it, the way looking now, one of the last guys to have one of those runs. Right. And, you know, Mike, Mike Carey's still working on one on the, on the, on, he's already done one with Lucifer, but he's still working on one with the Unwritten, and the Unwritten's still good, and, and Fables is, Empire. yeah, and those are all good, but like they're from before, they haven't had one. In a while, uh, that that has that has grabbed me. That seemed like a type of longevity, and that's the other thing. And it really is since Karen Berger's been gone. This is what we're seeing. And I, you know, I'm not mean to say she didn't have any real hits for a while. Right. And like, there was a there was a pretty long period of time where where you know something wasn't hitting. But it's just so sad. Um, so I keep trying this book, but it's a it's pretty British. And I am an American who's pretty familiar with Britain. Like I watch a lot of British TV and I read books and and I can follow along with a lot of it. And the most interesting story is there's a there's a Muslim female uh, DS. I think it's Detective Sergeant. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and and part of her storyline. And I just wanted to read that part. Like that part was great. So should I read this book? I don't know. I'm kind of not ready to quit, but I don't know what's happening. And I like when they switch timelines, I, I either get completely engrossed with it or I completely check out. Hmm. Uh, and it's a problem. So I'll let you know. Okay. I'm, not, I'm not ready to be done with it I'm yet. I'm going to wait for your recommendation. So okay. speaking of Vertigo, uh, so Batman Eternal 25. Uh, so I never know who's going to draw the issue because there's 15 writers on this book. And so the, the credit list on the, on the cover is so long, I don't even look at it. 
Uh, <laughs> so I, I turned the first page, and I, the, the first page is Vicky Vale and the current commissioner of the GCPD, Bard, I think Jason Bard. They're talking in her newsroom, and I'm like, wow, who is this artist? I, this is very familiar. Uh, it looks really good. Who is this? And so I turned the page again, and, and it's fucking R.M. Guerra. Wow. We just got R.M. Guerra. Yeah. And Thor last week. And the thing about the thing that's most interesting that's about Batman Eternal way. is that they've done a lot of interesting artists on this book. Our guys who don't normally or would never normally draw a, a DC book or a Batman book. There was a guy a couple of weeks ago or months ago, you'll remember, we, Paul and I said it looked very much like, uh, like uh, Raphael Grampa, mm-hmm. a guy that would never get to draw a DC book. And here you've got R.M. Guerra, who drew a scalp for so many years with Jason Aaron doing a Batman book. And uh, he's really strong on the sidekicks. Mm. Like Robin, Red, I'm sorry, Red Robin, because he was never Robin. Uh, Red Robin, Harper Rowe, uh, Red Hood, or Jason Todd, whatever the fuck his name is now. They look great. His Batman is a little rough. Mm. But uh, the character work is wonderful. Uh, great Barbara Gordon, great, great Jim Gordon. And uh, it's the kind of it's the Gara you know and love from Scalp. I just his Batman is looks a little shiny. The cowl's a little big, but the rest of it looks great. And the, well, I'm gonna want to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna want to look into this. And uh, considering most of the issue is the sidekicks, so it really works really well. And there's a great scene in the middle where, in the, in the last couple issues, Alfred was attacked by Hush. He was injected with the fear toxin right into his brain, so he's in the hospital. And so then uh, Jason Todd and T- Tim Drake have a little. Uh, meeting in the hospital room, and it's a really great scene between the two of them. And so, and I love the this this. I haven't really loved the series, but I do love parts of it. I love the flirtation flirtatious interaction between Tim Drake and Harper Rowe. They they're sort of becoming a uh, you know bickering item throughout the mm. series, which I like. They're really good together. So um, it was great. Art wise, Tim Drake is is the only Robin. He's not even a Robin, Josh. He's not, I know, never Robin. He's Red Robin. That's stupid. Red Robin, young. That's, young. that's all he is. He's, he's never Robin. Wow, look at this. You were looking that's at it That's fascinating. Now? Yeah, I'm looking at it now. Yeah. Huh. It's really I interesting. See what, I see what you're saying. Yeah, the Batman's yeah, rough, but the rest of it's good. It's, uh, it's, not, uh, it's not the same colorist he had on Scalp. Well, that's the other thing I was going to mention was the, it's, it's not colored. It's a little overcolored. It's not, yeah. And so that oh, hurts a also, bit. really didn't like the coloring on the GI Joe book. Yeah, just want to bring that up. Sorry, yeah, that the was the other problem. The coloring here doesn't help. This sort of very hard shadowing stuff, but um, but uh, I liked I love the sidekick stuff. It's good stuff. That's really interesting. Yeah. I don't want him to start doing this stuff. I, I don't. You know, he co- he colored it. No, no. Oh wait, no, no, no. Julia Brusco. Yeah. You know what? I, that is. I think that is his scalp colorist. Really. Yeah. Well, it doesn't really work here. Yeah. We get there. But uh, interesting. I don't think, I think he's, isn't he doing another book with Jason Aaron? I'm pretty sure he is. I hope so. Yeah. That would be the correct thing. Yeah. So uh, that's, that's, that would be what you should do. I made a little noise when I, when I turned the page to saw his name. I, I was like, sure. oh. Eep. What so did he there, say? Said Eep, ma'am. So there you go. Those are the comics of this week. It was a little light week. We didn't have tons yeah. of comics, but it was still some, some good stuff to talk about. You can go to fanboy.com. You can find the post for this show. You can talk about these books or other books that came out this week. If there were other artists that surprised you, perhaps that might be interesting to find out about. All right, so uh, let us let us move on to the things that you have brought for us to talk about. Um, some emails. Yeah, I'm going to do the first one. Okay. Uh, 
we're going to get this question from Alex from Somerville, Massachusetts. Somerville. Nice theater down there in Somerville. <laughs> it's a statue that's weird outside, but I still went and I saw Colin, Colin Malloy play what there. What statue? This, I keep, Colin was talking about the statue the whole time. It's this really strange statue. I don't remember what it is now. But uh, you know what there's also? What? There's a great barbecue place called Red Bones. It's a little bit expensive, but they're huge supporters of the New England Mountain Bike Association. Was it Ted so, Williams? No, no. It's I like, just figured like, the statues of Ted Williams all over. No, it's like a weird artsy-fartsy statue. And when we're talking, when you're talking about something, I'm going to look it up and I'm going to tell Is you. Is it like it. a new like interpretation of Ted Williams? I don't believe it has anything to do with Ted Williams. Ted, was, Ted Williams wasn't fr- again. No, the, you're not even in the right neighborhood. That's like Somerville's a little. You don't. You don't know that it's not like a like a new wave interpretation of Big Poppy. I don't. I barely know who that is, and I'd rather talk about Ted Williams because <laughs> at least then I have some footing. <laughs> I figured, I, talk, I figured from mere osmosis of being in New England, you would know who David Ortiz was. I've, like I've, I've seen it's. I know who it is in the same way that like I knew who David Wright was because I lived in Queens. Okay, That's like funny. I saw it on jerseys a lot. But I mean, literally, I figured I, you would have bought a David Ortiz jersey just to blend in and not hear not hear about it. If you would think a thing like that, then you know nothing about me. <laughs> Alex from Somerville, Mass. I love the new Cyclops series. I haven't cared about the X-Men in years, but this is hitting all of my buttons. Are there major major canon divergences or spin way, way offs that you prefer to the original series? Also, what's the best comic version of the X-Men available right now? So, uh, Cyclops also came out this week. It was a nice ending to that that story story arc. Story arc? Yes. Uh, That was good. That's been good. Greg Rucka. Very good. Been a good series. Um... It's interesting because I was thinking about this question after reading it, and it is kind of strange to take a character like Cyclops and just sort of send him into space. He's also like, like it's it's taking it's not Cyclops Prime; it's like Sub Cyclops, right? And then also you're putting him in a situation that is not like him because Cyclops, you think of him as he's the leader of the X Men. He's very political and Earth involved. Now he's he, space pirate. Yeah, which is great. Which is fun. I mean. They're doing that with Winter Soldier, almost the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. They're sitting him into space, which is sort of a spin way, way, way Listen, off. Listen, this doesn't, this doesn't, doesn't usually work. I don't. No, think. I was thinking about it too. Also involving space, and it's kind of not exactly the same. But when when they when they sent Starman into space for however long yeah. that was, that was sort of. I mean, it was but, his story, so it's not like they spent a month. Also, but, he's called Starman, so right. it kind of worked. But they, but they, they took him out of the main now story in Open Bowie City, and they head. sent him into space, which was sort of a divergence, mm-hmm. um, which worked. And also, kind of the similar would be the the year of the six months of Preacher that went to the past. Yeah, like the, sort the, of diver- the diverging from the the main story, or like the one issue that that went back to one or two issues that went back to Vietnam. And right. went to his dad. Wasn't there a whole six issues that was his dad? Wasn't there a whole trade of that? No, I think it was just a couple issues. It was two issues, I think. Mm. Uh, with, the, with Space and then the other guy who got killed. So there's where, there's... where he looked exactly like Jesse Custer and it was the exact same uh, right. version. The character was the exact same as the Punisher. Oh, wait, I in... know one. Um, recently, Captain America. Where he was yeah, actually, yeah. For... Six or eight, no, like nine or ten issues. Well, I don't know if this counts, but when they originally, when they killed Bruce Wayne and they did Batman R.I.P., mm-hmm. and he, well, there's actually two things you can do on this. Those were mostly fun. Mm-hmm. The Batman R.I.P.s where he was in all the different places, so you get to see oh, Pirate that, Batman oh, and Colonial Batman. Batman. Uh, 
something. RIP was was with the Joker and the thing. The, okay, well, Batman yeah. Battle of No. Something. Whatever. Yes. You know what I'm talking about. I know about. what you're talking about. So that that was kind of fun and that was cool. But then at the same time, over in the detective comic books, it was uh when, when Snyder first took over with Jock, it was it was uh, you know, Dick Grayson as Batman, which right. really was a big like we hadn't seen that before. Well we I don't did, know we that's did exactly, in the in the nineties. Yeah, but 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 not in a while. Like I don't know. I don't know if that really counts. But uh, you know, Batman running around through time, that works every once in a while. I'm trying to remember. Well, I mean, if you want to, if you want to go back into the Silver Age, I mean, that happened all the fucking time. I mean, well, that was because that was what you could do in comics, right? I mean, that's what Superman, that's what Silver Age Superman comics were, right? Or even Batman. There was Batman and Robin running around yeah. fighting aliens and punching giant robots and shit. Yeah. I mean, there's these. The thing that's fun about these characters is you can take them into places like that and do really bizarre things. I like seeing Cyclops having to deal with the the space world. This is not a world he's comfortable in. He's yeah. got a sword now, and he's. Uh, uh, sexy aliens. You know, it was a good one. Was um, Adventures in Space? Was it Advent- Adventures in Space with um, Animal Man, uh, right. Starfire, right, and right. Uh, Adam, Strange? Adam Strange? Yes, that was great. Yes, who wrote that? Someone who was good at comics. Yeah, but it was like one of those series that nobody talked about. I remember, it was only half the issue. Right. That that was a spinoff. Well, from, that was in. Wasn't that that was in count? That was in fifty two. It was a spinoff from fifty two. Right. So that was really good in 52. And then they they adventures in mm-hmm. Those are all fun things. You can it's always you can always take you never you, well you can, but it's hard to go wrong when you take a character and put him in a in an unusual, you know, it's a classic fish out of water story. But Well, it, I mean the, I guess uh what uh, what's the Hulk one? The Planet oh, Hulk. Planet Hulk, yeah. That's a that's a famous example. I, you know what? Here here's All the, these involve sending characters into space. I think well, I mean, they're Earth and then I'm not blaming space. us. I'm just saying that's what the that's yeah. what the examples are. Yeah. Well, it's, that seems to work. It's a, it's a good formula is what we're realizing. Right. It's fine. What's the best version of the comics, uh, of, of X-Men right now? All new X-Men. All new X-Men. Yeah. Although Uncanny is really good. It's just all new X-Men. If I had to pick one, I'd read all new X-Men. Yeah, sure. I'm so, totally ready for them to get rid of the old X-Men. I don't care. Send those dour bitches to space. This is just like get rid of Mary Jade. Fine, do it. Whatever. I don't care. I have no connection to it anymore. <laughs> Tell me good stories. Thank you, Alex from Somerville. If you want to email us, you can email contact at ifanboy.com or call our voicemail line at 888-FANBOY-326-2697. So there you go. Uh, We have a special edition podcast you should know about. It came out last week. The day after this this show is the Paul and I talking about the Gotham pilot. So if you watched uh, Gotham, many people did, many millions of people did, and you wanted to hear what Paul and I had to think about it, uh, you can go back in the feed right behind this show. You can find our special edition show about 30 minutes talking about Gotham, and you can look forward in next month to hearing us talk about the Flash pilot and the Constantine pilot. Not Constantine, Josh, Constantine. Bloody Constantine. (laughs) Not on that show, it's not. So uh, that'll be fun. We'll be talking about those pilots and probably also talking in the future about the other pilots that happened. We just happened to help to have those scheduled because they're all coming up soon. So head over to ifanboy.com to find that discussion. If you've watched Gotham, tell us what you thought about it. It'll be fun. Uh, in the meantime, as I said just moments ago, head over to ifanboy.com to come on this show, talk about this week's books, find all of our other podcasts. Everything that we talk about is happening at ifanboy.com. That's true. You can follow us on the internet. What the fuck at, is this? That's the statue. We're going to get to that in a second. Uh, you, can, you can follow us at <laughs> twitter.com slash ifanboy. Facebook. It's a weird statue, right? 
Facebook.com. So Josh sends me a link through the little chat room that we use to keep track of the time, and, and there's a picture of the statue. I don't understand what's going on. Uh, and you can follow us on Twitter at CSKilpatrick, uh, Jay Flanagan, or uh, Paul is at Fuzzy Typewriter. Uh, and, and, the, and you can see what the pick of the week is going to be uh, as soon as we pick it uh, ahead of the show. So you can try to make sure you, you read it. And sometimes we, you know, we put some other stuff up there. You know, we're not, we're not, we're going to help where we can. It's and uh, finally, uh, read a review. Probably, probably not going to retweet your Kickstarter. No. Probably not going to. Finally, if you read, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I'm still mind blown by the statue. Finally, if you like this show, uh, read a review on iTunes. It helps people find podcasts, and it, it takes only a moment of your time, and we really appreciate it. And not just for this show, but for any podcast you enjoy, it really helps out those shows out. It's the best way you can do that, uh, the quickest way, and the cheapest way is to uh, read a review on iTunes. So let's discuss this statue. Okay, so this is the Wait, statue. Just in is, case someone's wondering, we're going to put a link to the statue in the show notes. Yeah. So you know uh, this is in Somerville, Mass., uh, and it's it's three uh, human figures about about life size. Uh, one of them in this is wearing a skirt, but I think that that was added uh, later by somebody, so that you should disregard that. Okay. Um, it's a man in a suit, and he's looking down with his arms crossed at a, at another figure who's on the ground sort of cowing backwards on their knees as an old lady looks on in the distance. What is... I don't understand this. <laughs> yeah, so when you say Somerville Mass, that's what I think of. Looks like the guy got his hand chopped off and he's holding the stump. Yeah, and they, ha- they kind of have like mime masks on. Yeah, it was like Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. If you're from Somerville Mass and you know what the fuck's up with the statue, please email us at contact.ifanway.com <laughs> or leave a comment in the comment section because... <laughs> Um, I would like to be able to sleep again. Yeah, it's a it's a heck of a statue. I'd like to be on the planning committee who was given the plans for the statues and said, "Here's what we're gonna do," and they said, "Yes." Yeah, that's so They're, weird. It's very weird. I know. Jesus, you know what they should have done is a statue of Simon and Simon. <laughs> they should do a whole '80s uh, TV show statue park, like in Washington D.C. There should be a memorial. I spent a good amount of time this week talking to somebody at HBO, trying to convince them to do True, True Detective Season 3 as a Simon & Simon reunion. And that is not a lie. I think I think that you may be missing the spirit of the show. I, I'm just saying. It doesn't even have to be the characters, just the actors. I feel like you're trying to fit something into a face that it doesn't necessarily belong in. Because the best part about it is you can have Tom Selleck show up. I don't understand what you're saying because I, <laughs> and then, I don't really know the show, but... And then the guys from Hardcastle and McCormick, and then you have I'm a sure, whole thing. I'm sure that some nerd out there is like, yep, fucking A, Connor, you knew. Uh, listen, I'm just saying, if you had a Simon & Simon reunion on True Detective, it would be the biggest thing in TV. <laughs> you know what? I might be willing to take that bet. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you're listening, HBO people. We had this discussion earlier. I'm not done. I'm going to write up a treatment. So... That's what I'm going to do all week. Until then, I'm Connor. I am Josh. And that's it. That's all, that's all there is right now. See you next week. We're okay at this. We can do this. 